0: The Inside Ellen Road Podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit two Wither Park Industrial Estate Leeds, postcode LS five three AP. Check out PR Supplies on Facebook for all your home retail needs. Hello, welcome back to the Inside Ellen Road podcast, a day later than our usual midweek release as Graham has been off gallivanting around Europe with his press room pals. Uh, we're back in the IER podcast virtual recording studio though, uh, and there's plenty to cover. Um, there's been actual football played, lots of first team outgoings, a couple of academy signings, more outgoings to come, and probably even more outgoings. Um, first things first though, Leeds United were in Oslo this week. Graham, did you manage to avoid being spotted by a talent scout looking to cast a bespectacled man as the lead in a new Nordic crime thriller?
1: (laughs) I did my absolute best to uh, put myself out there Uh, because that is probably the career that I'll go... I reckon I'll probably go into acting, probably be on Netflix after this job. Um, So, uh, no, it didn't didn't come to fruition. To be honest, I was so busy. I mean, these things are not a jolly, you know. Um, It's not just going out there, wandering around on the roof of the Opera House in Oslo and going out for dinner with Popey and, and Baron Cross. You know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into these trips. Uh, so some shaking your head. You can't shake your head on a podcast. It doesn't work. Um, uh, yeah, it was a good trip, actually. Oslo is a really, really lovely place. Um, I would definitely recommend it, not only because of how beautiful it is and how everything seems to work so much better than in other countries. Uh, that I could mention that I live in, like just the the space, the the public transport, the provision for like cycling, the electric scooters that people are whizzing around in. Everything's so clean, everything just works. Um, they've got a, they've got a fast train between the airport and Oslo Central every like twenty minutes throughout the night, and the train feels like first class in every carriage. It's it's brilliant, uh, and. Not only that, it's home to a lot of Leeds fans who are incredible when it comes to hospitality. So um, one thing that did disappoint me slightly was that one time Inside Ellen Road podcast guest, friend of the podcast, um, your hero and my friend Ben Parker went on a night out with Eric Bakker and did not think to invite the press along. Eric Bakker was in Spain, jetted back for the game, Uh, Literally got into the airport, went straight out to take out some sponsors and fancy people and Ben Parker. Uh, And then uh, I think after the game jetted straight back to Spain. That is the life, isn't it? When you can just jet into a country where you're a national hero, stick on a suit, sign some autographs, address the crowd, uh, watch the game, probably do a bit of TV and then head back to the sun because it's raining dreadfully in Oslo. So that was the only disappointment, really. So shame on Ben Parker. But other than that, really good trip.
0: Uh, yeah, sound, it sounded like it was. Um, sent off uh, a couple of videos that you uh, you updated everybody on, um, which were nicely packaged up by uh, a certain YEP employee. Um, don't think I've Thanks, been for that. Thanks very much, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah, uh, a, a, well, I mean, a successful trip in terms of for the, the Leeds United fans out there. Um, I'm sure that they had a, a right good time uh, and those who are based in Scandinavia as well um good to see quite quite a lot of representation um but on on the pitch i suppose it was it was i mean it was too early to to really tell how things are, are going um with with Daniel Farker at the moment because yes a 2 0 defeat to Man United uh two basically different elevens it's it it just reeked of that first preseason game when there's or or like there's so much. Still up in the air, so hard to to gauge anything really from it. But what was your what was your verdict of of the of the match and and just the the, the overall match day experience? You're right. the 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 stale stench of pre season
1: was all over it. Um, but I do think there were there were a couple of things that struck me that you could kind of take as positives. One is that if Leeds managed to keep hold of Louis Sinistera then he will be an absolute machine in the championship. If they if they keep him and they keep him fit, he I think will plunder goals and assists in the championship. Because he gave Manchester United a very hard time and just reminded us all of what a good player he is. You know, he's got incredibly good feet, looks after the ball really well. He's really quick. He links up well. He can be really direct. He's got a great leap on him as well. Um I really like Lewis Sinistera. I feel like I feel like we've barely seen him, you know, since they signed him last summer. I feel like we've not seen him enough at all. And uh, it was a difficult first season for him, wasn't it? Through injuries, Um, but when he played, he looked good. Uh, He likes a shot from outside the area. Strikes the ball really well. There's a lot to like about him. But of course, it's that you know, the unknown factor of will he actually be here in three and a half weeks' time? That was a positive. You know who I actually quite enjoyed watching? Jan Paveda. I actually really enjoyed when he started coming inside and taking up positions in the centre. He actually really helped Leeds build and get forward. And I thought there was a a couple of times where he made runs that weren't found, that were really good runs. And um, he looks a bit stronger than he did last time we saw him in a Leeds shirt. He's less of a kind of you know speedy little whiff. Um, the, the accusation you throw at fast wingers uh, that of that ilk is sometimes that they're a speedboat with no driver. But I thought he carried a little bit of threat when he had the ball and uh, there wasn't any, there wasn't any real end product to speak of um, because he didn't get assist or a goal. Um, but he did create a bit of danger. Uh, and and when you consider the wing options that they have, Daniel James, we're, we're pretty certain is going to stay, and in the championship will be rapid. Um, Sinistera, if if he stays, would be incredible. Willie Nanto, if he stays, would be incredible. Jack Harrison, if he stays, would be incredible. You know, if they can keep two or three of those wingers, you know, arguably they'd have the best winger department in the championship and probably in the lower reaches of the Premier League, because those are some really good options to have. And that's, that's that what struck me. That's what I came away from the game, thinking that there's the potential for some excitement if they can keep some of those players.
0: Looking at the the comments post-match then, um, you spoke with Daniel Farker and Jorginho Ruta um, after the game. Uh, and there were a couple of comments that stood out for me in, in what they had to say. Um, Ruter, we'll start with him. You know, obviously not as, um, not as forthcoming with, with you know, quotes because he's a lot younger and um, you know, he's, he speaks English, but obviously not to the same level as Daniel Farker. Um, he did say that um, he viewed this as, as a new chapter now um which i found interesting because he could quite easily have you know batted away questions of what the future holds as you know just given the, the 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 textbook answer um but i mean what do you think the future genuinely does hold for him because if he sticks around you know he's versatile enough he's he's got top 5 uh, top 5 european league experience he's someone who could really push bamford for the number 9 position um or any other striker that comes in and you know what for someone who had a really difficult six months, I thought that his attitude was certainly in that, that interview that you did with him. Um, I thought it was, it it was positive. You know, it, it was also good that, you know, he's willing to speak as well.
1: Yeah. He was honest as well, you know, about the difficulty he had and not playing as much as he wanted and coaches coming in and him not playing and he had to go away and clear his head, but he's done that with his friends and his family on holiday. And, um, yeah, fair play to him. If you know, if he's willing to stay, and and not just write this off as this was a terrible move and I shouldn't have made it and I want to go somewhere else now, if he's if he's willing to stay at Leeds and rewrite, you know, or I suppose there's not even anything to rewrite. He's been here for a few months, you know, a handful of months in which he wasn't really used. Uh, he didn't really have an adaptation period as such
0: did he? because he didn't really get in enough game time. So he's he's played like 300 league minutes or something like that, possibly even less. Um, yeah. he you know he could quite feasibly play that in August, this month. Yeah, and it all
1: depends on where Farkas sees him. I mean, obviously he played him up top, didn't he, against Manchester United? We have heard noises that Farkas spoke in his presentation to the board about using Ruteir out wide potentially. He wasn't the only manager, managerial candidate for the position who who had that idea. But crucially, they all said they would keep Ruteb because they saw a place for him, and the 49ers Enterprises had no interest whatsoever in in writing him off. Um, they, they, their opinion is that there's nothing to there's nothing to write off and there's nothing to salvage. He's a young kid, very young kid who's been here a few months, so you know there's, he's got potential and there, there could be good times ahead of him. So he's definitely an asset, um, and he's got he's got good feet. He's got a trick he's got good size um he could could be really well yeah really like transition good ball carrier um you know if he if he turns a defender you could see him causing damage so it's just about where he plays you know and and how often he plays i think but he's gonna have to play because otherwise kind of you could see him thinking oh maybe this wasn't the best idea for me if i can't even get in in the second tier but um i still personally think they need a striker I think
0: they need a nine. Well, they are definitely going to need a striker because 13 goals have have gone out of the team. Uh, Rodrigo joined Al Rayan last night um, in Qatar, joining up with Leonardo Jardim, the um, Portuguese coach who won Liga with AS Monaco uh, a couple of years ago. Um, It was the move that we kind of all expected to see, or rather him leaving was one we expected to see. But in terms of him going to Qatar, yeah, can you really begrudge him, considering that you know he's 32 at this stage of his career? He's it's it's it's, it's you'd assume a very lucrative move for him and his family. Um, and you know, you wrote a, a piece about this this morning, Graham, about you know his emotional farewell. If he'd left last summer or the summer before, not too many tears would have been shed, you'd imagine. But now, after the last season that he had, you know, I, I think a lot of people will be thinking, you know what? Fair play, he did. You know, put a real shift in, um, and obviously wasn't able to to pull leads over the line, kicking and screaming like Rafinha was last season. But he really, really gave it his all. So, yeah, they do need uh, they do need uh, some striking additions um, because, I mean, we've discussed it on this podcast so many times. You can't rely on Patrick Bamford to be um, prepared and ready and fit for 46 games this season. Um, and yeah, we, we just got to just got to hope that they they do pull a, a rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. But on on Rodrigo, just briefly, how would you sort of sum up the move? How would you sum up the... I don't know, it's time his time at Leeds, really.
1: Um, Strange. First season, COVID injuries, didn't really fit into Bielsa's team. Pressing didn't really seem to be a thing that he could do you know, to the same degree or to the same standard that Bamford did in the nine role. Second season wasn't great either. And that plantar issue plagued him. He played through it a lot, but struggled with it a little bit. Um, and only got six goals, didn't he? But last season, you know, all of a sudden, he was the main man, wasn't he? Like he was the only one pulling up any trees in front of goal. He showcased his finishing. His kind of his his play in in around the area was good. He's got an eye for goal, uh, and I thought he worked really hard. Like he really did run himself into the ground, and he played through injury. Um, which, for a player who hasn't had the best of times at Leeds, and at times was perhaps at odds with the fan base in terms of their expectation, given that he cost £27 million, you know, and was Spain's number nine at the time. And, and there was definitely a feeling in the fan base that, and, and you could pick up on it on social media, but also from match-going fans, that they didn't think Rodrigo was as committed as maybe he was. And I think last season he really proved people wrong on that. I think he showed just how committed he was. So he kind of, I've used this phrase a couple of times, he almost rewrote his story at Leeds a little bit with that last season just because of his goals, because of his effort. And because you could tell actually how much it did mean to him, You know, look at him on the last day of the season when they went down. Given he probably knew that if Leeds went down, well, he definitely knew if Leeds went down, he was off. Leeds knew that everyone knew that he still tried to the last you know and he even knowing he was he was gone he didn't take his foot off the gas uh, because he could have quite easily said to Rob Price this foot pain is is too much so it's just Neo shaking his head there in disagreement obviously um he could have said to Rob Price I'm I'm sorry I, I'm I'm not available for these games this foot pain's too much and he could have just rested himself and then waited for his move in the summer, but he didn't. And um, fair play for that. So um, there are some whose emotional uh, Instagram captions will be given fairly short shrift this summer. And there are some that people will nod along and think, actually, you know, fair play. I think this is genuine. And I think Rodrigo falls into the latter category. And he's kind of earned the right to to be taken seriously or to be believed when he says that, Actually, there were some special moments, and he he will
0: always remember Leeds. Was there a tear in your eye when you read through that Instagram caption? No, I'm dead inside, and um,
1: <laughs> and very little. Is that' what that, working where, with me does to you. Very little that uh, you, you know what you know what finally killed me off. I mean, I was already well on my way. Uh, I was on my last breath, I think, emotionally when it comes to football. And then I read that Jordan Henderson's move to Saudi. Would be life changing. Now uh, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it either. But I'm just going to say this: Jordan Henderson's life, as it stands right now, does not need changing. Okay, <laughs> Jordan Henderson is not a plucky contestant on a game show about to win one million that will change his life and pay off his mortgage. I doubt that Jordan Henderson has a mortgage, uh, and I wish him all the best. And it's money that I'm sure none nobody would turn down. But let's please, please, not paint these moves to Qatar or to Saudi as life-changing. Yes, they probably mean that it's I just generational. I about Rodrigo. I it's just said that. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, personally, on the move for Rodrigo, I, I, I don't really agree with it. Like, yes, it's probably given his injuries, right, that he's had over the last couple of years. Given he's 32 and given the money that it likely involves. It's probably going to be an easier time of it for him. It's definitely going to be an easier standard. And I doubt that he'll have the same physical demand put on him that he had at Leeds. But I can't see him playing for Spain again. And he could have quite easily played in the Premier League next season or La Liga, had he so wished. There was interest there. There were offers there. And I think the ability is still there. I think he's more than good enough. So I'm a bit disappointed in the the actual move. But, you know, enjoy yourself. Fair play.
0: Well, thank you for listening to the Inside Ellen Road Geopolitics <laughs> Corner. Um <laughs> it's a segment which will not be continued in future, um, because clearly Graham gets very uh, animated about it. Um sticking, in fact, a little bit more lighthearted. Um someone that we've mentioned on this podcast before, uh, a Leeds fan, Sam on Twitter, Sam 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 ninety two, I believe is at is. He um he replied to the, the tweet that I put out about Rodrigo joining Al Ryan um with Something which might actually put a tear in your eye, but for a different reason. Um, He replied with, went to school with an Al Ryan, good bloke, Um, which I think is actually really, really good. (laughs) Al Ryan. Yeah, very good. Um, good. I I replied to Sam. I said, you know, we're recording the pod tomorrow, don't you? And he went back with, it's the only reason I write new material. Sam, keep it coming. We absolutely love the material. Um, So, yeah. And just, just on, on the, the topic of um, funny replies that, that we've received over the past few days, uh, just before we started recording, uh, I took a screenshot of your uh, your piece on the, the transfers update, which we'll get onto actually after this, um, which uh, includes the line, a quality operator in possession is key and Leeds have at least one experienced international in mind for that role. Um, someone quote tweeted it, I presume a Leeds fan, uh, Maka, saying, with a whopping 44 caps for San Marino to his name, welcome Alessandro Golinucci. Um, I, I don't know whether that's a real player or not, but that just as I was sort of going through my mentions whilst we were recording, that did bring a smile. Um, so yeah, I think I'd very much like that to be a regular feature on here, just the the dark, dry humour of Leeds United fans uh, on Twitter, because as, as as Graham said, he's dead inside. He needs he needs a bit of a bit of joy sometimes but um should we get back on back on track and talk about some of the the transfers probably best that we discuss the outgoings um uh, because there've been a few uh robin Koch joining eintracht frankfurt on loan i've seen robin um brendan aronson joining union berlin on loan um could be playing champions league football next season um who else has gone? Diego Llorente, he's joined Roma on loan again uh, after his six-month stint there. Uh, uh, Rodrigo, obviously, uh, moving to, to Al Ryan. And um, yeah, looks as though, very likely, So probably by the time this has been published um, on whichever podcast app you listen on, Rasmus Christensen um, moving to uh, Roma as well on loan. What do you make of these loans, Graham? Because I've seen a few people who are a bit perplexed by it Daniel Farker seemed a little bit I don't know frustrated by the situation
1: yeah uh he I quite like that he's he says a lot of words he says unbelievably hard a lot um a lot like he says it a lot but he says a lot of words without going into specifics but he but what he said on that I thought was interesting, you know the fact that we're losing these players, but we're not getting money for them. um It's it's just relegation, isn't it? Rele- relegation has uh, has not done a great deal for this football club, uh, and it and it doesn't do a great deal for any football club. But it's obvious that there was a thinking in the past that contracts uh, needed to include some kind of clauses, and 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 in some of these cases players have been able to get out of Leeds um, to go on loan rather than to go on a permanent. You know, Robin Koch is a player you would have looked at without any knowledge of the contract situation. You'd have thought, right, he wants to play for Germany. He's only got a year left on his deal. So I don't know. What are you looking for him? Eight million, 10 million? You know, it's, it's maybe slightly on the low side, but you're a relegated club. So, you know, you kind of, you have to take your medicine as it were so we'll take that but no he's got a clause hasn't he that allows him to go on loan so so off he goes it's not ideal um but the upside is that some premier league wages have been taken off what will be a championship wage bill and uh you know, like rodrigo was was i think the highest earner at the club even with even with the reduction that would have been in his, in his deal because almost all the players have fairly significant wage reductions, I think up to 60% in some cases. Even with a serious reduction, Rodrigo's wage would still have been too rich for the blood of almost anyone in the championship. So that needed to come off, you know, and, and what these exits have done has created some headroom when it comes to profit and sustainability so that leads can then be quite aggressive with players they bring in uh, when it comes to their wages. Um, the other thing I'd say is that if Robin Koch, Brendan Aronson, um, Diego Llorente, Rasmus Christensen, Mark Rocker, and Rodrigo, if they don't want to be at Leeds, then Leeds United should not want them and their exits are are needed. You know, you don't want players who you've had to, really fight to try and change their minds if their first thought after relegation
0: was see ya, then then really you're you're better off without uh it was, it was actually interesting what Tony Duo had to say um, when I spoke to him for his column this week or last week no it was this week um he you know he said that ultimately there'll come a time when Daniel Farker will have to prioritize the players that he knows he's going to have so he wouldn't be surprised to see the training groups be separated into those who are who are staying and those who might leave which i thought was quite interesting because it's based on his own experience um when he was was at leeds himself um had had some injuries um and you know was offered he he said he was offered a deal on quite a a bit less money um and obviously was considering his options elsewhere Uh, and you know he was training with the likes of ian rush carlton palmer who were also on their way out so um yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether Fark implements that, but yeah, I think you know the the loan situation. W- w- one consideration that I had was that perhaps you know you, you loan all these players out because right now the financial situation of the club is not dire. You know, then it's not as though they it's not as though Leeds have been relegated and they would have been in a position like Everton would have been, where it would have been catastrophic financially. Yes, it's not ideal, but they're not in desperate desperate need to raise funds from players but after a season in the championship paying probably above market wages not getting premier league tv revenue your parachute payments are, are going down if Leeds weren't to get immediately promoted then in 12 months time say rasmus christensen mark rocker diego urente all of these players have a great season out on loan in one of europe's top five leagues then potentially you know because they're all on long term contracts you still have the 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 ability to say well you know what you're going to move permanently but instead of instead of selling them all permanently this summer you you can then i don't know stagger how much you receive because you, i've gone off tangent i've gone off
1: i think what you're trying to say to- is their value's might actually go back up to an acceptable
0: level yes and also it would help if the club didn't get promoted at the first time of asking to raise necessary funds next summer rather than this summer, if you know, if you know, where I'm getting at, I don't yeah, know yeah, what I I'm
1: do. getting at. Yeah. No, no, I do. I, I see some of your logic. Um, the caveat, I've I suppose, to that, it,
0: but yeah,
1: yeah, the caveat to that, I suppose, is that, um, and this is possibly going to sound harsh, but. Diego Llorente will still be Diego Llorente and Rasmus Christensen will still be Rasmus Christensen. Like What, what is their ceiling when it comes to value? Because Christensen is going to have to show, he's going to have to prove us all very wrong um, for his value to, to go back up and, and to to get beyond what Leeds paid for him. Um, because he did not look like a top flight operator last season. In possession, he, he, he was nowhere near it. His passing was was atrocious at times. So he, and yes, he was in a struggling team, so we should add that, a struggling team that that was not being coached initially to really want the ball much at all. Um, maybe in Italy, it's going to be different for him. Um, new club, new system, new manager, um, different division. So Maybe he goes and he has a stellar season and suddenly he's one of the hot properties at, at right back in, in Europe. Maybe that happens. I don't know. Uh U- Urante—he's an odd one. Urante, isn't he? Because he's got this ability about him on the ball, where he can he do those can drills, those disguised passes into forwards' feet. But then he has this air of just absolute chaos around him, where you just think something bad could happen here. You know, he, he goes one on one with a with a striker who's running through, and you think, is he is he just going to rugby tackle him? Is, is he going to? Is he going to trip and take him out inadvertently? Um, there's there's just that worry with him. Uh, but Roma obviously see something that they really like in him. So maybe maybe I'm just a horrible person dead inside and these guys are all really good footballers and they're going to go and play fantastically well in Serie A and Bundesliga and whatnot. Um, but I've, I very much think they all have something to prove. In a big, big way, because they were not good enough to keep leads in the Premier League. They haven't proven themselves as Premier League players. You know, Brendan Aronson had a very underwhelming season, um, incredibly underwhelming. And yes, he went through some confidence issues. He's very, very young. The physicality was a level beyond him. You know, he just got brushed off the ball and knocked to the floor too often. Didn't really help himself in that regard a lot of times, because he would go down looking for free kicks that weren't, you know, he had that trademark he goes to ground he kind of spins and curls up in a ball um holding his ankle and then kind of looks out the corner of one eye hopefully at the referee and that started to grate on Leeds fans towards the end of the last season it was just happening too often um he's got to really show that he's he can contribute offensively and cope with a bit of physical attention this season well um, famously
0: they don't tackle in germany so you know he might um, you might fare might fare a bit better there. No, I mean I, I, I know what you mean. It, it was frustrating to see because they, it was there were fouls that just weren't there. Mm. And they just weren't and then, then
1: you've just wasted there. possession. Like it's not it's not exactly. even clever, you know, in the sense that Luke Ayling uses the byline to to safeguard possession because he will turn his back to a player who's behind him. Nobody can take it away from him from the front because the because the the, the, the touchline is there. And if anyone makes contact with him, he goes down and he wins a free kick with the a flop. Sometimes it's, it's less convincing and there's less contact than others. But most of the time, it's a foul and it's a safe bet that Leeds will keep the ball. Aronson did it kind of in open field in areas where the opposition could then take the ball and go past him and they'd be away again. And um, that was frustrating. So he's got, he's got a lot to do, I think, this season. Um, But he's really, really young and he still has potential. So perhaps in a year's time, his value has gone back up to a level where um, Leeds might consider selling him or, and this is the harder sell, this is the one that I wanted to ask you about. Will Leeds fans accept any of these players back in a year and welcome them back and say, all right, lads, you know, you didn't want to stick around after we got relegated, but you've had a really good season. You're back now and maybe now that we've got promoted, fingers crossed, You can contribute again in the premier league i think for a lot of people it'd be quite hard to stomach
0: Uh, yeah i I agree i think i think you're right um but look at the situation with cody drama right now i think the vast majority of leeds fans want him to be um the the starting right back um this season so uh, you know and the 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 initial when he went out on loan to cardiff there was that sort of that backlash that he that he received and you know where he went off social media and all that sort of thing because it was perceived that he'd gone against Bielsa's wishes. Now, obviously, that wasn't the case, but um, you know that was how it was, how it how it played out or how it appeared to be. Um, just on right backs and players leaving the club, Graham. I've just sent you um, a, a tweet, which is a yeah, picture just, of Rasmus Christensen, um getting into a a, a blacked out minivan, uh, presumably before or after his um, his medical at Roma, and he's wearing jorts. What do what do you make of that? Jorts, footballers Joe, wearing jorts. I'm not, su- I'm not sure. Do you know what Joe, jorts are, Graham? Yeah, uh, jean
1: shorts. Yeah, uh, I um, I'm a 40 year old, very very white Northern Irishman, Joe, and I will not be making a stand or taking a position on on the on the fashion wear of uh, of much younger men who, who have you know the ability to go and buy whatever clothes they wish. Uh, good luck to him with his with his fashion. Um, and good luck to him at uh,
0: Roma. How much would I have to pay you to go to the first game of the season against Cardiff in a pair of jorts? Yeah, you'd have to...
1: <laughs> you'd have to do quite a few guest appearances on other podcasts, I think, to to bring in the cash that you would need. I think for me to return to jorts, um, return. So you did once wear them. Of course I did, Joe. I grew up in the new metal era when I was like, you know, late teens, early 20s. And it was it was fine back then. I know that you weren't born, but it was absolutely (laughs) fine. Uh, Circa 2002, 2003, 2004, possibly beyond. I'm not sure what photographic evidence exists out there. Um, But uh, I wonder what the Norwegian is for uh, for Jort. I think
0: it's probably quite similar. <laughs> probably, probably. Maybe,
1: maybe came from the Norwegian. Maybe that's where it comes also, to, The genesis of the world. Also, word. He's, he's Danish, so you know. Let's
0: not let's not mix up the the Scandies here.
1: Oh uh, yes, yeah, I just I, I, I they
0: all they all look Norwegian to me. To be honest, Um all the all the Vikings. Graham, Graham. After spending so much time and getting some branded Lusco's merch from the lovely, lovely people in Norway, you're deciding to brand them all the same. I'm I'm I'm. I, I must advise that that is not 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 wise. No, probably not. But um, I'm not a big fan could, of could the Norwegian you, people. Do you do you happen to have the uh, the Lusco's bucket hat and yeah. um, t shirt? I do. I mean,
1: the problem the problem I have is that uh, I wouldn't say that I have a large head. I, I've quite got got quite a deep cranium. Like it's not wide, but it's quite <laughs> deep. Uh, so that uh, the hat it doesn't. It's not that it doesn't fit. It's just that. You know, it would fit a normal cranium, I think, but mine's on the larger side. There you go. It's a visual joke on a podcast. Um, well, it, we we do record the video on these, so um, yeah, you it's know. very white. I made a terrible mistake in putting it on. I know that already, uh, but I also, <laughs> but I also. Oh, and there, there's some sunglasses as well. Some specs. also received received these sunglasses. So I mean, put together, it's it's quite the outfit. Might maybe I'll send these to Rasmus with a.
0: With a pair of shorts that are,
1: that are maybe more to
0: the modern taste. Uh, as uh, a that that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a view right now. so um, anyone to look, who is, is listening to the podcast and is wondering what Graham looks like in the Lusco's specs and the um the the bucket hat. Uh, don't worry, I'll be clipping that up that'll be on my Twitter by the end of play today. Um, Why are fact- you the way that you are? <laughs> right. Okay. Let's get back onto serious matters then. Um, I mentioned that line in your uh, your your recent columny transfers piece that you published uh today, yeah. on on the YEP website. Um, what is the the latest with goalkeepers, with central midfielders, with strikers? Can you can you enlighten us with uh, with what's going on behind the scenes in the bowels of the Leeds United recruitment rooms? Uh, well, Leeds are uh, currently like a mallard. Um, so it doesn't look
1: like there's a great deal going on because obviously nothing nothing has happened yet in terms of incoming, other than some some youngsters, um, and you know there's no medicals booked or anything like that. So it all looks quite still, but uh, underneath uh, there's a they're working unbelievably hard, as uh, Daniel Farquhar would say. Um, lots of meetings taking place. Um, I think perhaps players that he's worked with in the past and knows could do very specific functions in the team. Um, We know that they've looked at Carl Darlow uh, as an option and there was the the Bayern Munich keeper, um, Nubel as well. But um, I think he's far less likely, much, much, much less likely than Darlow if I was going to put any money on which one of them would come in. Um, but they are having meetings. they are looking at players. they have irons in the fire. Um, but you know we've been saying it for weeks, haven't we? There's this this optics and logistics issue with the takeover. The EFL approval is not has not been received yet. has not been the takeover hasn't been green lit by the EFL. It's taking time. I don't imagine it'll take too much more time. like I don't think we'll still be here in a week, two weeks um you know saying gosh this takeover is really taking it taking its time isn't it i think we'll get to an end game before too long uh and then i think the afl or not the afl the 49ers will i think they'll feel a lot happier than about then starting to tick boxes when it comes to incoming recruitment obviously We've said it previously, you want to be able to announce stuff as the owners, you know, you want to be able to celebrate those wins and those bits of business as the outright owners. You also, at the minute, have to get Andrea Rajazzani involved with the kind of the final say so or, or the the thumbs up to to get business done. And and I suppose it's just not neat and tidy. It's just not ideal while you wait. It should be added as well that Radrazzani will want this takeover to go through as much as anyone because you know it releases the money that he'll be getting for his shares and he can then just crack on entirely with Sampdoria. Um, but it just hasn't come yet. Personally, I think if, if Leeds were able to cross the bridge to get Farka in because they had to get him in before pre-season was really properly underway in earnest... If they were able to do that, then I think they'd be able to get signings in. Um, but as yet, it hasn't happened. So I can understand why supporters are um, getting a bit antsy because um, the season is so so imminent. You know, it's uh, it's looming on the horizon, and Farka is sugarcoating nothing right now. I mean, his his message was as bleak as any uh, Scandi noir. Uh, Nordic drama on Netflix, wasn't it? Uh, after the game, he was talking about how difficult it is, tricky situation, hell of a task. We've got so much work to do, not enough hours in the day. Um, he's he's working quite hard to manage expectations for the start of the season, isn't he? Because the team that starts against Cardiff, I don't think the squ- I don't think the day squad that starts will be the matchday squad that is kind of his go-to squad in January, February, March. Um, but I was thinking this morning. Is it more important to finish well in the championship? Because that's how Leeds got promoted so comfortably, is that they they went on a tear towards the end of the season. I mean, obviously, they were, they were consistently good all season with some bad patches. But I just think of Sheffield Wednesday in League One last season that almost cost them dear, that they went on that mad 23-game run, I think it was, um, and then fell off completely. And, and almost had to scramble towards the end and then ended up in the playoffs and, and went up via the playoffs. Um, do, you, do you foresee a Farka team being one that you know, starts slowly because it's not quite the finished article yet in terms of recruitment? It's not the finished article in terms of players leaving, but then they build momentum and, and they finish like a,
0: a German freight train? Um, I, I, it's a difficult one because I don't think you could argue that starting slowly is good in any in any situation. It might just be the nature of the beast this season. It might just be a case that Leeds do start a little bit slower than others. But you look at the fixtures that, that Leeds have to begin with. Cardiff at home, yes, they might be signing Aaron Ramsey. But their squad is, I mean, they showed last season that they're not a, a, a great team, even for this level. Um, You've got Birmingham City, who, again, were not a great team last season in the Championship. Um, We had West Brom, probably a difficult game, but I doubt they're going to be able to add any players because of their own financial issues. Uh, Then you've got Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday, both promoted teams. You need to be making... You you can't afford to to throw those games just because you don't have, I don't know... uh, the, the your preferred squad even if you've got 85 percent of the players in in for those five games before the end of the transfer window you should still realistically be beating those teams um, it might sound harsh but you ha- you can't go into a season in the championship where you're targeting promotion automatic promotion no less and thinking oh well you know we might have to we, we might have to temper expectation because we well we might not have the players you've got to go into all of these games thinking they're winnable. Because otherwise you're playing catch-up, and catch-up is a is a stressful, stressful game.
1: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the makeup of the first few games it's uh, incumbent upon Farka and Leeds to get a lot of points because you can't look a gift horse in the mouth, and the championship is just horrific. It's horrifically difficult. Um, it's so competitive. You know, there was such a small number of points separating seventh down to like twelfth, thirteenth last season. Um, I'm gonna say seven, you know, seven or ten points, something like that, which is nothing, you know, and, and it just shows how easily you could be in and around it, even in the playoff positions, but then if you go through a bad run, you, you drop out and you don't wanna be getting off to a per start and being behind the eight ball. Um but I think I think Farca is working hard to say, like, this is, you know, just go steady with your expectation because um because this is not an ideal scenario we're in. And he's only just he only just got his feet under the table. And in three weeks and two days, he's got the first game. Um and I actually think the Man United game, as, as much as I, I I tried to come away with some positives, the concerns that that I had were that the second half, when Leeds had a much stronger and much more experienced team, you would have thought, than Manchester United, who put out kids for the second half. That should that team should have been enough to create chances or to control the game. And they started with a lot more possession than Leeds had enjoyed, like more sustained possession that Leeds had enjoyed in the first half. But they lost control of the game. You know, and how often did we see that last season that Leeds couldn't keep control of a game? Um, yes, first game of preseason. Some players barely back at all, and and straight into it. Uh, and players who've been on loan, nobody really has had much time under Farka. They've had one week, and that was mostly fitness work and in possession work. So they didn't work off the ball particularly. But the second half was, it wasn't great. It was underwhelming. It, you know, even with all of that said, so um, you'd hope that we see a lot more in the upcoming friendlies to, to suggest that. He's really got them going when it comes to his football and his ideas, uh, but also you'd really like to see the squad start to take shape because the transfer window might not close until September. But by September, you've played quite a bit of football, and the opportunity for points has been there for a few weeks. So um, they can't be they can't be too relaxed about all of this.
0: I would say. Right. Okay. Um with all the seriousness dealt with from this this week's Leeds united news cycle um, you put a tweet out last week advertising the podcast which said we're not precious about the ir ier podcast Whoa, so, if some...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if there's something you want more or less of shout up less joe more me whatever it might be just let us know and thankfully you got a lot of responses and you know some of them are some of them are genuinely very good ideas um, Barney asks, "Could you and Joe uh, please rate the catering for the press on away games this season, uh, and a few photos along the way?" I'm not sure how we'd incorporate that into the um, into the podcast, but yeah, we'll we'll try and make that a regular feature. I, Joe, let me let me stop you there. I uh,
1: I can paint a picture when it comes to food, so you leave that with me.
0: Not a problem. Regular feature. That's because I, I'm not allowed food privileges by Graham at away games, so um. He he basically gets me to go up and get my portion, and then I have to concede it to him. Um, for for <laughs> anyone who's just uh, interested of how that this that dynamic this season, works. this season, given that we've dropped in the championship, I'm going to get you to eat yours first as soon as we arrive, and as long <sighs> as there's no
1: reaction, then I will then dine.
0: <laughs> okay, the Leeds United guinea pig. Um, right, where where else are we? Um, we there were a lot of nice comments on this actually. Uh, that i'm just scrolling through uh this is a good one by uh cameron i'd like once a week you to compare a current slash former player to a band or artist that's a nice idea
1: yeah it is a nice idea
0: um we might have to come back to because because ha- i've only just looked at them now um we might have to come back to that one next week but we'll we'll knock our heads together and, and see what happens yeah um... my, my mind would instantly just go to
1: something really cruel so i need to i need to do more preparation to make sure there's a bit more balance to it uh, i like yeah. the guy's suggestion and it probably came accompanied with like a, a winky face or you know like a tongue out emoji um one of those people uh and it, the suggestion was uh more phil <laughs> and and i thought do you think we're made of money seriously Do you think we could afford phil hay on the inside Down the road podcast not on your nelly um but it did make me laugh
0: though so well done yeah, there were a few, actually, a few requests. More dream sequences, please. More random dreams. And I believe we're going to make a brief segue now for Graham to tell us all about a recent Bielsa dream that he had. It was really, really, really odd, uh, and and I remember waking up and
1: thinking, I need to remember this one because Joe's going to absolutely love this. Uh, Bielsa brought a team back to play Leeds in a friendly. And he, he did a, a press conference beforehand, which is unusual. You don't really get an opposition manager doing a press conference, but I guess because it was Bielsa, so you know, that it made sense for all of us, really. Uh, and he greeted us all like old friends, like Phil, myself, uh, Popey. Um, surprised surprised me, really, because I would have thought of the three of us, he'd preserve quite a fond welcome for me, but the other two would be less struck on. But, um, but he yeah, was very, very effusive, affectionate, uh, then all serious to do is is um, press conference and then johnny bucken of bbc leeds crashed a barge a canal boat into like the <laughs> thor into the side of the thor barge building some feet when there's no water to be found uh, and then bielsa literally stood up and walked out and wouldn't answer any more questions he was outraged that this this wanton act of unprofessionalism and pure canal bargery had been allowed to take place and and that's all I can remember from the dream. But I also remember waking up annoyed at Johnny Bucken that he'd completely ruined for us a perfectly good press
0: conference and a chance to get some uh, some much-needed quotes. Uh, I don't think he has his canal. I don't think he has his sea legs, does Johnny. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Has he got his, his, his uh, canal, canal bar license.
1: driver's test? <laughs> he gives the he test. Gives the test. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, speaking of Bielsa, how nice was it that, Calvin Phillips told that story about him playing a game last season, and he must have played terribly. Uh, and then Bielsa messaged him to say, "Can I can I call you?" Um, and then through his translator, basically asked how Calvin was doing, what he was thinking, and just to kind of like check in with him and, and show a bit of support. I thought that was actually, inc- for, given that the kind of all the the aura around Bielsa and the mythology, and the he's not close to players, he's not an arm around your shoulder kind of a manager for him to take the time to message calvin i having obviously watched him play so he's still keeping tabs on him to message him to ask if he can speak to him and then to have that conversation is I and mean, it's fascinating for one but but secondly i just think it's an absolutely wonderful gesture and it must have meant the absolute world to calvin phillips um he's probably now like the envy of quite a few former players um but yeah, I just thought that was just a fantastic story. And uh, obviously, Calvin's doing the rounds. He's doing a lot of press, talking about uh, his story because of this documentary that's that's coming out this um, on Amazon Prime. It's a, a Neo Studios production. Uh, another one regarding Leeds United, um, which which I will watch. Uh, but I just thought that was great. Really lovely story. Much more interesting to me than the um, talking about. Pep Guardiola calling him overweight, uh, which I guess was an obvious one to ask him about last season because really there wasn't a huge deal to kind of go at for Calvin's season last season because he didn't play a lot of football. He did have a few injury issues. He just couldn't really get into the team for any sustained period. Um, But that of all the stuff I've
0: read of his little press round, I thought that Bielsa story was absolutely superb. I think it shows as well, just the emotional intelligence of someone like Bielsa, that you know, he understands Calvin's personal situation and you know the I don't know that the fact that he's gone out of his way absolutely does not have to do that. Um and he'll know what that means to Calvin. So um yeah, I think uh, again, just another example of the the measure of the man. Um sticking with the uh the what you want to hear more of, um there were there's only a few more to go, don't worry. Um Gavial Loken, um, I hope I've pronounced that right, says more transfer rumor speculation. Dot dot. As I'm sure you know more than you let on. Dot dot dot. Oh, don't we? Don't we? <laughs> um, I'm, not Do sure, we? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's the right. This is the right avenue for that. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll try. So that, we'll try. It is, drop, it is the case.
1: It is the case that you you are briefed by people in football on things that they don't want out there yet. Um, that is the case. If we were then to go and blab it all on the Inside On Road podcast, maybe we just do it as like a little sneaky segment right at the end, because of course there wouldn't be a website out there that would that would monitor the web, monitor the podcast, and then turn it into a salacious bit of content that would shoot straight to the top of the news now rankings and and then be you know kind of posted all over social media. Websites would never do that, Joe. So maybe we would be safe to just say everything we've been told off the record, just right at the end of the Inside Ellen Road podcast
0: every week. I think we'd have to have a separate podcast for for those revelations. Um, the uh, there was one more, and it's it's a bit it's a bit of an ask, it's a bit of an ask, but I'd quite liked it. Um, it's from the Leeds enthusiast. Day in the life of a Leeds journalist, i.e., who contacts the club? Is this done through email or phone? When are you told regarding press conferences? How do you get the team sheet? Uh, Do you contact agents? Are you told not to report on certain things until the club give you go-ahead? Take it away, Graham. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, look, it's a great big bus
1: headed right towards me. Um, No, it's Johnny Muckin in a canal barge. It's Johnny Muckin driving a a BBC Leeds-branded canal barge. Um, So the relationship with the club, uh, for any uh, newspaper writer kind of covering a club beat, You have contacts at a club that's generally managed through the press office. So you're generally speaking to a director of comms or a chief press officer or just a press officer, depending on on the makeup of the media department. Um, You might also have other people around the club that that you speak to, um, maybe more on a kind of back channel kind of a system. Um, Guy incognito. Yeah. Uh, And then yeah you speak to agents or you, you try and you try and speak to agents some of them are, are more helpful than others some are a bit weird um and you try and build a picture of what's going on uh, sometimes you'll get information and you'll take it to the club and they'll knock it down or they'll stand it up or they'll say it would be really helpful for us if this if you didn't go too big on this because x y and z or it's a delicate stage um, nobody wants to be the guy that um blows uh, a transfer um you know but also i I'm sceptical as to whether stuff being out there really has too much of a detrimental effect. I understand that there have been occasions in the past, at a variety of clubs where news has got out that they're after a certain player. It's alerted other clubs to that player's availability and they thought, oh, maybe we'll go in there. I'm sure that's happened, but I think the paranoia in football around stuff like that is maybe a bit extreme for, for what, the, you know, what the actual reality is. Um, so yeah, you just you you try and keep an open dialogue with the club as much as humanly possible. Obviously, you have to monitor, and this is a lot more the case since Leeds got promoted. The foreign press, because that tends to be a lot of where a lot of incoming stuff will break, because um, because our equivalents at various outlets on the continent will get tipped off by agents they know or by the club. Um, Selling clubs, you'll find, are a lot more amenable to talking than buying clubs. Selling clubs will probably give you chapter and verse and a a big stare and a heads up on something, whereas if they're buying someone, they'd probably rather keep it under wraps. Clubs don't often manage that very well. Like Liverpool last season managed a couple of times, didn't they, to to buy a player for a lot of of money without anyone realising it was happening. Like it was just out of the blue, suddenly, bam, they've signed. And I... I had a lot of respect for that because I thought the effort that must have gone in to um, so all parties keeping shtum until it was time. Uh, that was really impressive. Um, and then as for the other bits, so you get your information, then you, you write your stories or you try and craft some stuff or you write an opinion piece. Some weeks can be very dry because there's not a lot going on. Um, I just crave the football all the time because I, I can't be having the summer whatsoever. Um And then at a match, your team sheets are just generally made available. uh, And then you just send Joe to go and get one. Um, So that's a
0: fairly simple one. Very well handled. Very, very well handled. Um, I think we should finish with um, some celebrity news. Um, Not the exciting kind, but the Leeds United kind. uh, And that uh, Jordan Spieth. um, What's the other guy's name? The other golfer. I'm not a big golf man. Justin Thomas um, and Russell, Russell Westbrook. Uh, not a golfer, uh, an NBA star. Uh, they've all put their heads above the parapet to say that they are the uh, well part of the investment group um, that is involved with the 49ers that that is buying Leeds United. Um, interesting. I mean, are, are Leeds cool? Is 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 that is that what I'm what I'm hearing? Are Leeds still cool in the states?
1: Well, I think Leeds have a cool to them that is completely at odds with US sport. Like I think the Leeds culture or vibe or aura, whatever you want to call it, is very much like, I'd liken it to like a punk ethos, almost like leads against the world, you know, like almost like a DIY kind of a mentality. Nobody else is going to help us. So we'll just do it ourselves. Um, But it it does help in football to have some very rich men and women in your corner. And and, and that's what these people are. You know, they're very high profile, very, very rich. Um, I think we've seen with Wrexham, the benefits of having very famous, very wealthy people on your side. You know, you look at United Airlines sponsoring the shirts of of Wrexham in League Two is, like, Wrexham are not going to have any problem, are they, with profit and sustainability? While ever, they're bringing in commercial partners like, you know, Ryan Reynolds, Gin People, or like United Airlines, or, you know, they had one of the major tech companies are now there like, their tech partner league two clubs don't tend to have technology partners unless it's um bob's laptop shop down the street that fixes your your laptop um so having people of this profile can be a massive help the only hindrance that i can see i suppose is the whole um the possibility for too many cooks spoiling the broth but i think as long as it's very clear who the decision makers are in, in an investment group you know this the demarcation between you putting a bit of money in, and you actually having a say in who they sign or, or whatever, it's not, it's not a situation where Leeds have got, you know, twenty people who all think they've got a, got a say in who the manager should be or in who they should sign, because I wouldn't particularly want Justin Speith, um, you know, looking at <laughs> Justin Speith uh Justin Smith and Jordan Thomas um
0: yeah. <laughs> and Rory Fyler can't believe you've Rory out. You've, you've done that two weeks in a row now J- junior Show last week and now yeah, junior Four
1: um and the worst of it is as well that I, I do consider myself a bit of a golf fan and have covered several major golf events in my career um but I'm very much team Europe so it would have been a lot more exciting a lot more exciting to me if uh if John Ram or Rory McIlroy had got involved, but obviously, McElroy's and Manchester United fans so would never, oh, never. Or Henrik Stanson. You'd, you'd probably call him Danish, though, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Or or Thomas Bjorn, um, very famous Finnish golfer. <laughs> uh, we um,
0: yeah. You can't say Finnish on this podcast. You, you, He's you
1: not Finnish, right. hey.
0: He's
1: only 28. Um, yeah, I I can see the appeal of having people of this profile involved with your club. And I think there's an excitement to it, but also I think Leeds United supporters will see, will view everyone with a healthy amount of suspicion and cynicism until such a time as they prove their worth to Leeds United. You know, they you look at the whole Bon Jovi and uh, um, who, else, oh, who else? LL unboxed? Cool J. LL Cool J, like the people like that who unboxed shirts. And that was very much viewed with a side eye um, because they didn't see a material benefit. You know, what what have you done for me today is is almost the the question. Um, so until such a time as 49ers Enterprises really get a grip of the club and really start to show that they're capable of making very good decisions, fans will be excited and they'll, they'll be full of anticipation, but
0: they'll be disciplined with it, Joe. Indeed, indeed they will. Um, coming up on an hour here now, so I think we'll we'll wrap things up. But just before we do, um, I've got a bone to pick, actually. My, one of my friends, uh, a very close friend of mine, uh, a whole City fan, no less. He actually met Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas uh, last week. Um, so when he told me about this, I said, Tyler, where, where's my phone number? Where, why did you not get the details of these very, very wealthy individuals who are now in, uh, in cahoots with leads? and not provide it to me. He was too busy getting a photograph. So, um, well, what's, you know, what's you know, amazing about that story is
1: I had no idea Tyler Adams was a whole city fan. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a story in itself.
0: I thought you were going to say, I had no idea you had friends, um, which <laughs> would have been very much in keeping with how you usually speak to me. Um, but yeah, there was, there was that, um, and just one final bit of Leeds United housekeeping, because in the absence of first team signings, um, we should discuss the signings that have been made Academy duo, um, Josh McDonald and Lewis Peary um, have signed for, uh, for Leeds United from uh, Hamilton, Academical and Aberdeen, respectively. Um, both 16, both Scottish youth international attackers. McDonald predominantly plays on the wing, Peary through the middle. Um, wonder if Lewis will go for a celebratory Nando's um, to, to commend his, his move. Um, but yeah, that's all from us on the Inside Ellen Road podcast this week. Uh, we'll be back again next week. To, uh, to discuss what's been going on. Hopefully, we'll have had some good news on the takeover um, and maybe some more news on transfers. But that's, uh, that's all for now. The Inside Allen Road podcast is sponsored by PR Supplies at Unit 2 Wither Park Industrial Estate in Leeds. PR Supplies, everything for the home.